Thanks, buddy. Family, while you're here, why don't you turn to John chapter 8 for me? That's where we're going to start tonight. If you are joining us on Facebook or YouTube, welcome. It is always a blessing to have you. Whether you are here in person or watching via the internet, you are part of this church family. Jesus loves you, and so do we. So thank you for being part of this. Uh, Pastor Mike is out of town today. He'll be back Sunday. I get to hang out with youth and young adults all the time. Most of you know that, but our friend from Texas may not. Uh, my name is Pastor Chip. I get to hang out uh, on Fridays with the coolest kids on the planet. Uh, we have an amazing church here, guys. We have a church that teaches the word, and that's what our job is to do. Uh, whether Pastor Mike is here or not, this is God's church. Aren't you blessed to be part of a church? Aren't you, be blessed, to, aren't you blessed to be part of a body? Aren't you blessed to have a heavenly father that placed you here? He's a good father, amen? We have a lot of freedom in him. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. This statement in John 8, uh, in verse 36, it says this, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. How many of you in here are free? That is a shout in Scripture. That is a good thing to hang your hat on. You are free indeed, and God has set you free. Your freedom does not come from anywhere else other than God himself. Guys, as this, as this time of 4th of July has talked about freedoms, the only real freedom that we have is in Christ Jesus. Our founding fathers knew that, and that's when, when they talked about freedom, it was based on the rights given to you by a creator. Our freedom comes from God. Uh, you guys, there is so many benefits to being a believer of God. Aren't you blessed that there's benefits it's not this lifelong drudge or trudge through the mud. God has benefits for you, and one of those benefits that we're going to talk about tonight is freedom. Some of y'all need to be more set free than that in this church tonight. We're going to go back and pick up some context of this in, in verse 1. It says this, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him and sat down, and he taught them. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This is a place where he went all the time. It's a place of prayer, of, of dedication, of consecration for him, a place that he went to spend time with his heavenly Father. I want you guys all to get this. And it says, and early in the morning he came again to the temple. Do you know Jesus was early for church? Amen. Jesus was early for church. We started Sundays at 9.30, so be here at 9.28, please. But Jesus was early to church. Verse 2, early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him and sat down, and he taught them. People knew where Jesus was going to be. It was not uncommon for Jesus to be at church. We follow Jesus' example. Where should we be? At church. That's a good thing. Right? We have work to do outside of the church, but you need to get to church and get plugged into a church so you can grow in the things of God so you can share it with the hurting world. You need to be in church and early according to Jesus. You guys, this is the story of the woman caught in adultery, and we'll look at it real quick. Jesus is in the temple doing what he is known for, and people are coming to watch him. Uh, the woman caught in adultery, they brought Jesus, this woman, because they knew where he would be. These may be the creepiest guys that we have record on in the Bible. Not only were they creepy enough to catch this woman in adultery, they were creepy enough to know where Jesus was going to be. Like, these guys were just stalkers. They're watching the woman. They're watching Jesus and, and I think it's interesting when we look at this story, because they brought Jesus, this woman, and verse 6 shows their real motive. It says this, then they said, tempting him, 
that they might have accused, might have something to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. You guys, these guys were not worried about the woman caught in adultery. If they were, they would have brought the guy caught in adultery with them. They were here for one reason, and that was to trick and to tempt Jesus. That's the only reason they brought this lady to him. They had been watching Jesus, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. These guys have been trying to get Jesus from day one. You remember that? They're out to get him. They're trying to get him crossed up. They're asking him who he is, asking him by who he's doing these miracles. They are trying to get Jesus, and they have found no fault in him. So what do they do? They create a scenario to try to tempt him. Jesus being uh, being tested by these guys, bends down and begins to write in the sand. And he's, you guys know what he, what he says after he stands up. It is in verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. You guys, verse 9 says they were convicted, and they turned and left. Let's, con- let's continue reading in verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those that accuse you? Has no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What a different contrast that we see with the life with Jesus. Jesus bends down and starts writing in the sand, and all of these accusers, all of these people that have willingly chosen not to follow Jesus, these are the guys trying to trap him. They get convicted, and they start walking away, and only one left is this woman who's standing there with Jesus. And wouldn't you know that the freedom was found right there? He turns and says, woman, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you either. Wow. What a difference in a life with Jesus versus a life without He shows her how to do that in verse 12. It says, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness. They left in conviction, and she stayed and was set free. You guys, tonight's message, if you need a title, is called Freedom in the Follow. Let's go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 6. Don't you guys love the Old Testament? It is types and shadows and stories. I was telling the kids on Sunday, we had youth takeover, and the, the toddlers and elementary kids were all with us, and it was, uh, we could have used some tranquilizer darts. It would have been a good thing. But we were sharing with these guys a lot of the stories in the Old Testament, and these kids got it. They knew a lot of the stories, and, and what a cool thing to be able to look at the true word of God that far exceeds any action movie that this world could come up with. They, they brought up Avengers Endgame. They brought up Lego Ninjago, like all these really cool action films. But the stories in the Bible demolish anything that the world can come up with. When we start looking at stories like where we're at, you recognize this. This is Daniel in the lion's den, and we're going to talk about it really quick tonight. Now, I recently watched uh, a sermon where I've always called him King Darius. And then somebody called him King Darius. And now I'm all confused, 
right? So sometimes listening to, to other stuff doesn't always help you. So we're just going to call him Darius for tonight. Is that okay with everybody? If I'm mispronouncing it, if that is not the scholarly way to do it, God does a lot with ignorant and unlearned men, amen? He's not concerned about me messing up one name here. <laughs> okay, so this is Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, and there's a lot of similarities that we see in this story to what we just read in John chapter 8. Uh, in this story, this is Daniel. You know the story of Daniel. Uh, King Darius or Darius uh, has now uh, been in power and he, is, he likes Daniel. He likes what Daniel's about. Daniel's done a good job and Daniel is raised up to power above uh, almost everyone else in the country, right? Daniel is the go-to guy and, uh, <laughs> and the other guys don't like it. When you honor God, when you humble yourself and he lifts you up, not everybody around you is going to like it. You guys look back at friends maybe you've had past coworkers that maybe you didn't get along with and they're still waddling in their, their hatred for their boss and you move on to bigger and better things. The favor of God is taking you to bigger and better things. So not everybody is going to like it when you walk with God and experience the favor of being a child of God. So you guys know the story. King Darius uh, uh, is talked in. These guys, again, we have another set of creepy fellows. These guys are jealous of Daniel, so they are watching Daniel day in, day out, trying to find anything to accuse him of. And guess what they found? Nothing. Do you know what nothing means? Nothing. They found nothing. We can look at the story. Let's pick it up right here in verse 4, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Then the presidents and princes, this means a lot of the government leaders. We'll just leave that one right there. The presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion or fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of God. So these guys had been watching. They knew that Daniel was faithful to his God, one of the reasons that he is in the place that he is at now. And so they decided to get him out of power, that they needed to go to the king and convince the king to make a rule that nobody could pray to any God for 30 days. Hopefully that's not your Christian life experience. Hopefully we pray more than, than, than one time in 30 days. But uh, apparently these guys didn't want any other God to be honored up. And really they did this. Again, the woman caught in adultery, it wasn't an adultery thing. This wasn't a don't pray to God thing. This was a get Daniel thing. Do we understand that? This was a, a, a reason that they were making up to try to get Daniel so the king makes a law, and he makes it, and there's no way to back out of it. And so they go back, and they peek in Daniel's window. In verse 10, it says this. Now then Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so he knew this law was in effect. He went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done before. You guys, this was not a new thing for Daniel. This was his habit. These guys knew that this is where they could trap him. They didn't watch him pray three times a day. They knew that that's what he was going to do, but I'm pretty sure the, the first day that this law was signed, the moment that they saw him praying, what did they do? King Darius. King Darius, guess what you saw Daniel doing? Right? I have two kids, and that's what it sounds like a lot at my house. Mommy, mommy. I could go talk to your mom. <laughs> mommy, mommy. They went to complain. Daniel knew it, but he still chose to honor God like he always did. And I love that that's what Daniel was known for. 
Daniel was known for honoring his God to the, so much that they knew that they could get a law signed into place, and Daniel would still honor his God. And I like the parallel between John 8, because before John 8 was ever written, Daniel was living out 8, 12 that we saw that said, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but walk in light. Daniel knew God's laws, and that made his choice easy. I made a note in something that we should always think about. When God's word is first place in your life, your life's choices become easy. I didn't say the choices are always easy to make, but they should be easy. Dishonor God or be thrown to the lions. This was a no-brainer for Daniel. He said, I serve God. You guys, the king even knew Daniel for serving God. In verse 16, he says this. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spoke and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, that's how Daniel was known, who serves God continually, he will deliver thee. Guys, the king even knew that Daniel's God would deliver him. Did you notice he didn't say he can deliver you? He might be able to. What did it say? He will deliver you. The king knew God would save Daniel. <laughs> they had been watching Daniel. The king had, a, had an idea about it because he'd watched Daniel's life. He'd heard the stories about Daniel and God walking with Daniel, so he knew God would do this for him. I'm pretty sure if the king was this convinced that God would save Daniel, what do you think Daniel's mind was set on? Pretty sure Daniel knew the same truth, don't you? You guys know the story. They toss him in, and then the king is anxious all night, biting his fingernails, waiting for morning, not sleeping at all. He is super nervous. He likes Daniel. Early in the morning, he comes running. In verse 19, let's see it. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. That's how Daniel was known. Is thy God whom you serve continually able to deliver you from these lions? <laughs> Daniel, servant of the living God. Is this God you serve continually? Is he able to deliver you? Daniel's known for following God. And you see what happens, verse 22, God did it. It says, my God had sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me for as much as before him. Innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. I want to interrupt this thought for a moment to talk to you a little bit about Daniel. Do you guys know the beginning of the story of Daniel? Daniel, uh, in, in Bible times, names were important. Names had a meaning. My real name is Charles Henry Kimmick V. I'm, I guess I'm in line for the throne of England someday. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Charles means. A lot of times in our culture today, names have lost their importance other than, oh, my mom's maiden name. Like I have my daughter is Chase Hart. Hart was my mom's maiden name. I have my other daughter, Carson Lee. Lee was my mom's middle name. So in essence, names have importance that way. But if I said, hi, my name is Chip, you'd be like, what does that mean? I have no idea. I go by Chip. So names really have kind of lost their importance. We do stuff just to be trendy. Like I think if you look at the, the book of names, um, they make a new one every year for the most popular names for babies that are coming out. 
right? And usually about every 10 or 12 years, the names repeat. When I was growing up, there was a lot of Rachels and a lot of Taylors, and they're back, right? Taylors are back. Sometimes they get way out there. But names in this time with Daniel had importance. Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel was his Jewish name or his chosen name, his free name. What happened is King Nebuchadnezzar came in, took over Jerusalem, and Daniel and a bunch of these young, up-and-coming, maybe well, weller-to-do uh, people of society, people that could come back and be influencers, the king took them away, trained them in all of their ways, right? Taught them the language, taught them their religion, went even as far as to give them new names. And, and the name that he gave Daniel, I'm not going to try to pronounce, but it, it often has reference to one of the religions or the gods in the Babylonian culture. So Daniel was his free name. I want you guys to notice that Daniel is the author of this book, and even when his name was changed at the beginning of this story, he continued to call himself Daniel. And when Darius, Darius, came to the mouth of the den, he yelled out, Daniel! Guys want to know what Daniel means? If you have a study Bible, I might tell you, it says, God is my judge. That's what the name Daniel means. God is my judge. You guys, think of how awesome that is in this moment. Daniel continues to call himself Daniel. The king comes back and yells, Daniel. Not Belshazzar, there's a lot of letters in the name that they gave him. But he calls him Daniel which means God is my judge. So think of the importance in this. In this story of Daniel and Lion's Den, the men had judged Daniel. He had broken the law that they set up, and so they threw him in the lion's den. But what did Daniel know? He knew that he was judged by God alone. Verse 22 says this. My God has sent his angels and has shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me, for as much as before him, as before God, innocency was found in me, Daniel. God is my judge. Daniel was living for a higher purpose. His name just states that he had an eternal mindset knowing that God was his judge. So what could man do to me? Throw me in the lion's den? King, you know that they're not going to eat me. My God is with me. God is my judge. I think of it like this. When, when we have court rulings or a judge goes like this and makes a ruling, that stands. <laughs> God is my judge. If he said it, that settles it, I'm going to go by it. God has judged me innocent. What a great thing to say. You guys know the verse. That's how God sees us as well, that there is now no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Verse 23. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. I love that it's not just the lions didn't bite him. There was no manner of hurt found on Daniel. If you guys go back and read, he was cast or thrown into the lion's den. They laid a stone upon it like a lid. He was taken up out of the lion's den. 
So some way, shape, or form, he was chucked into this thing. I'm pretty sure if I throw any of you off this stage, you'll physically get hurt. They threw him into a den of lions, but there was no manner of hurt on him, neither by lion nor by fall. There's a story that I told at youth the other week. My mom, uh, when she was a teenager, was told she would never have kids. She did not have the internal workings. I don't know what you call it. She didn't have the right stuff in here to have kids. Years and years go by, no kids. My mom gets diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And one night while watching a TV evangelist, she starts yelling and screaming, it feels like fire. It feels like fire. She had been believing, and she was watching a faith preacher on TV that was talking about healing. It feels like I'm on fire. My dad freaks out because my mom screamed at the top of her lungs. Goes up there. Uh, he doesn't know what to do, so they just let it pass. They go to the doctor a couple days later. Multiple sclerosis is gone. My mom, who was never able to have kids, completely healed of multiple sclerosis. And then she had two sons. When God delivers, he delivers. When God delivers, he restores. Whether he was thrown into the lion's den, the lions or the fall had no effect or no hurt on him, had no effect on his body. Our God is a deliverer. King Darius at this point is starting to get it. Let's go to verse 26. It says this, I make a decree, this is the king speaking, that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Verse 27 he delivereth and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Don't you wish, church, that Christians would understand our delivering God like this pagan king would? He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders. He doesn't just forgive sins. Look what our God does. What a contrast in the life of following God versus his accusers. If you guys look back at verse 24, it tells you what happened to his accusers. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives. And the lions had a mastery of them. That doesn't sound good. And break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. These were hungry lions. The bodies didn't even make it to the floor. You think they weren't hungry when Daniel was in there? But what is the difference? Walking with God versus walking without him. Daniel was a follower of God. You guys, there is freedom in following God you guys, we won't spend a lot of time on. I do want to get you out of here this evening so you can enjoy the long weekend. I want to enjoy it as well. But you guys, in, in Daniel chapter 3, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. You guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We used to sing songs as it, uh, songs with it as a kid. 
King Nebuchadnezzar sets up a golden image and makes a decree that when the music plays, you have to worship it. And in verse 8, we see this. It's all very similar. Verse 8, we see this. Wherefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Let's keep reading. Go down to verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, I'm not pronouncing those right. Don't judge me. God is my judge. O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Do you guys see the similarities? They are known for only worshiping one God, their God. No other faults found in them other than they won't bow down and break their God's law. Let's see, verse 15. He kind of gives them another option. That he comes and brings them, uh, and he gives them another option. Verse 14 says, when, it, when this happens, come and bow down um, and worship. And if you don't, we'll get that fiery furnace real hot. And at the end it says this, and who is this God that shall deliver you out of my hands? You guys have heard this verse. Look at their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and, what's the next line? And he will deliver us. No question in their mind. Our God is able and he will. Guys, we serve the same God. <laughs> They're saying, we serve God. We know he is able. He will deliver us. You guys know this is the same king that just a few years earlier had said, this is the true God. If you look back at Daniel chapter 2, I think it's right before this chapter starts. The king answered and said unto Daniel, of truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldn't reveal this, or see that you could reveal this secret. The king knew the power of God. A few years have passed, and then he makes this golden image, and you have these same guys who are still around for all of that. If you guys look at the end of that, they rewarded Daniel at the end of chapter 2, verse 49. Daniel says this, Then Daniel requested of the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. And Daniel sat in the gate of the king. These were the guys that went with Daniel that were captured originally. These are the guys that wanted to eat the oatmeal instead of the king's meat. And they came out bigger, stronger, smarter than anybody else. These guys chose to follow God all the way through. So he gets super mad. He heats up the fire, throws him in. Verse 24, I love this. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. That's how good our God is. He was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Do you see how Jesus comes on a circumstance and brings freedom, even if the circumstance didn't change? They were tossed inbound, and Jesus shows up, and they are loosed, walking in the fire. So no matter what you are walking through, no matter what fire you are going through, when Jesus is with you, it will have no form of hurt on you. That doesn't mean you're immediately going to get out of the fire. How many have been walking through some trials for a long time? 
Jesus is still with you. When Jesus is with you, you are loose from the power of that fire. Through them inbound, but I see four. Oh man, God is with them and they're loose. They are free. I love that they knew that God would take care of them. Still in the fire, but free. Set free even while walking in the fire. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Even if the circumstance doesn't look like it or the circumstance doesn't immediately change, when Jesus is in it, you win it. They were still in the fire. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God. How were they known? As servants of the Most High God. Come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth. I know I stumbled on that last name. Forgive me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Our God is a God of freedom. Our God is a God of restoration. Our God is a God of the miraculous. Whatever the trial is, it will have no power over you. Nor was a hair of their head singed, Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Do you guys know how hard it is to get bonfire smell out of your clothes? We had a youth bonfire three weeks ago. My clothes are still stinking in the garage. Still smells like a bonfire. These guys were burned in the fire. Oh, let me take that back. They were thrown in the fire. They weren't burned. Their clothes weren't singed. They didn't even smell like they'd been in the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants. Here's why. They trusted him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship God, any God except their own God. Guys, they trusted God. They yielded their bodies. Everything they did was for God's honor. <laughs> what a confidence they have in Christ Jesus. That is the freedom that Jesus is talking about. Daniel and these guys were free. They walked in freedom because they served God. Let's go back to John 8, and we'll wrap up. We can pick up the story. Jesus is still in the temple, and in verse 24, he's still talking to these, uh, these non-believers, these Jewish people, and says this, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Look at the contrast. A life with Jesus where there's no condemnation or a life serving sin. Look down in verse 34. It says this, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whomever committeth sin is a servant of sin. How are these guys in these other stories known? Servants of the most high God. That's where your freedom is found, in serving your heavenly Father. These guys that choose to, show, to, to serve sin, it shows you that they will die in their sins is what Jesus said. I love Jesus. You guys love Jesus? <laughs> in the rest of this story, he makes some amazing comments. 
Starting in verse 28, he says something like this. At the end of the verse, it says, And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he sent me, verse 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father have not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. What a statement. I always do the things that please him. You guys, Jesus had complete freedom because he understood God's plan for his life. He understood that God's word was above everything else, so the choices became easy. Real freedom was in him following God's plan. I always do what pleases God. You guys, freedom is bigger than just free choice. Do you understand that? If you don't believe me, think about the choices that came with consequences. Think about some of the guilt you may have, some of the shame you may have from some of the choices that you've had. If, if freedom was simply free choice, you could make any decision you would want and there would be no consequence. That's not what real freedom is. You guys want to know what real freedom is? Yes, no, maybe so. You guys ever been bound by some of your choices? Maybe have anxiety from the ability not to choose? <laughs> My wife and I usually sit in the parking lot after church every Sunday trying to decide where to go to lunch. Anxiety, frustration, all of those things set in because we think we have the freedom to make a choice, right? Freedom comes in the follow. We saw in these stories, there is freedom in following God. When you choose to walk in the decision that's already been made by your creator, like Daniel did, like these three guys that have the crazy names did, their freedom came by following what God had already written and decided, serve no other gods, keep my commandments. God laid it out. They found their freedom in it, and they followed it. Your freedom is found by walking in the choice that God has already made, and that was to come for you. Guys, what a freeing thing to walk a life that lines up with the word of God. If God said it, that's my choice. Somebody else doesn't like it, they can take it up with him. That's life's choices, friends. We get into all of these complicated things where we try to justify or we try to make up a reason that we don't have to apply the word of God in a situation, and that's where we start to miss it. A lot of the world will blame God for sickness or for things like that. Why don't you blame him for the good choices? Sorry, I'm not going to get drunk this 4th of July weekend because God's word says don't get drunk with wine. That doesn't mean you can drink beer. Okay, that doesn't mean go get drunk on beer. Do you understand that? But the choice is already made. Don't like it? Go blame God. Your friends don't have to have an issue with you. It's an issue with your God. If they have an issue with God, we got bigger problems to solve. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. King, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Their mind was already made up. They were free. Daniel, they could find nothing against him. They made up a new law, but Daniel's mind was already made up. I'm going to follow God. He was free. The freedom and release of already having that decision made. Where are we going for dinner? That question gives some of us anxiety. What if the Bible laid it out for you nice and simple? What if the Bible said in, let's, who, was a hungry, who was a hungry gospel writer? Let's say Matthew was always hungry. What if in Matthew chapter 106, verse 19, there's not 106 chapters in Matthew, okay. 
But what if it said, after church, thou shalt go to in and out Wouldn't that, I think it should. Maybe we'll write that in that. We don't add to the Bible. Come on. But if the Bible said that, how easy would it be to decide where to go to lunch after church? We'd all be at in and out Do we see how freeing that is? God said it. I'm going to do it. There's freedom in the follow. <laughs> I usually go to in and out after church on Wednesdays anyway. Guys, if you didn't take notes the entire night, get out your notebooks right now. Get out your phones. You're going to want you're going to want this. This is life advice from the Bible. We all get asked this question. Honey, do I look fat in this? Boys, here's how you dodge a bullet. We should have a pre-programmed answer from the Word of God. Sweetie, I don't know what you're looking at. I see someone made in the image of Christ. You are his workmanship and his masterpiece. Amen. Guys, the Word can and should be your pre-programmed answer for everything. Should I do this? What does the Bible say? What's the biblical principle that applies now, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, uh, ushers, go ahead and lock these doors. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention tithing. So don't tune out. I want to talk about tithing because how freeing is the biblical principle of tithing? Tithe. We know the benefits that come along with it. There's benefits to being a believer. One of the benefits of the tithe is that God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's worth it. 10% of your money for God to fight your battles for you? I'm not saying it's a mathematic equation, but it's a promise of God. Do you know how much God fights for you that you didn't even know you were under attack? I can't wait to get to heaven and watch that replay of my life. I hope he gets rid of the bad parts. But to be able to see the times that he was working and moving and kicking the devil's butt behind the scenes that I didn't even know about? All because of the tithe? Freedom when following God in the tithe. With the tithe, it says that he'll bless you. That there won't be room enough to receive. You can unlock the doors now, guys. When you are a doer of the word, the choice is already made. And you are free from the power of the enemy. You're free from the power of that fire. Here we go. Free from having that weekly inner debate of how much should I tithe? Should I hold a little bit back because the kids have summer camp coming up? When you're doer of the word, it frees you. There is freedom in the follow. Follow God's word on tithing, and that decision is already made. Do I hold money out for the new iPhone, or do I give God what is his? Do you know the freedom that that does for you? The freedom that you have knowing that you didn't make a choice to rob God? Hellfire and brimstone tonight, Wednesday night at church. There is freedom in the follow. God's word said it, so I'm going to do it. Your choice should be made up. And you get to walk in the blessings and benefits of God when you follow him. Almost done, I promise. This month in youth, we started talking about gray areas. You guys know the term gray areas? It's where we, we kind of act like the Bible hasn't really defined it the way that we 
You know, I can really search it. Should I marry David or should I marry Jimmy? The Bible doesn't put his name in there, but it gives you a lot of principles to go by to figure out who is right, to figure out who God has for you. We've been talking about gray areas, things like dating, intimacy, cussing, drinking. Can I say this to you? The Bible only becomes gray when you choose to not follow God's word in your current situation. It's Jesus calling. Or sometimes we choose to bend his word. Well, I, I know I'm supposed to give you 10%, God, but nine and a half is going to be close enough because I rounded up and I really need to go in and out after church. I'm hungry, can you tell? But we start to bend God's word, and there is no gray in God's word. We start to bend it to make it look gray to fit our situations, but there is no gray in God's word. And freedom comes with a life that is fully surrendered to a service of God and his word. Jesus was the word made flesh, and there's freedom found in following Jesus and the word of God. The decisions are already made. Life is like taking a test. You ever feel like you're always being tested? Life, think back to your high school days. Some of you got to think back longer than others. But think back to your high school days and how much you hated tests. Now, if you really like tests, I, I don't understand you. I don't even know if you're saved. <laughs> but think back to high school and what if you had a test, but you had a book with all the answers on your desk? Not only that, but you had the teacher whispering where to find the answers in that book for you during that test. Guys, that is our life when we choose to live on God's word. Any trial, any fire, any temptation, there's an answer for it in God's word, and the Holy Spirit leads you back into it just like your teacher so that there is freedom in the following. Your choice is already made. Freedom is no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Freedom is my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Freedom is your faith has made you whole. Freedom is go and sin no more. No trial, no fire has power over your body. You guys, you are free from the guilt of making wrong decisions in your life when you follow the word of God. Do you see how much more freeing a life with God is? It's your choice to follow God. Your choice to follow God results in a freedom that the world could only dream of. They talk about freedom. They try to tell you what freedom is, but this is the only place that freedom is found because where did we start? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If the sun didn't set you free, are you free? If you don't believe in your heavenly father, if you don't believe that Jesus came and took the price for you, if you don't believe that he is the son of God, can you be free? Do you have freedom without Jesus? And the answer is no. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You guys, there is freedom in the follow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for your amazing word, God. Thank you that you show us each and every way, each and every step, everything that we should do, that we have an outline. God, let it be said of this people that we are servants of the most high God, that we choose to follow you. When men come to accuse us, they find nothing other than we love you, God that your word would be ever present in our lives, that we would make you the focus, God, that we would make your word our purpose. We would choose to live it out, to follow you, no matter what the trial, what the fire, what the temptation, because you have loosed us in any circumstance. 
where the world tries to bind us and throw us in, you walk right in there with us and loose us and say, I'm here. And who the Son has set free is free indeed. No trial, no fire, no test of this world will have power over our bodies because we walk with you, God. Father, we thank you for this country. As we celebrate 4th of July and the Declaration of Independence, God, even those authors understood that our freedom comes from you, that our rights are given from you. Help us as a people, as a body of Christ, as a church, as a nation, understand that true freedom is only found in you, Jesus. Oh, that the hearts of the nation would turn back to you, God. That our leaders would stop trying to accuse one another and simply turn back to you, that we would find just a few that it would be said they are servants of the Most High God. And watch what you do. God, we love you. We thank you for this night. Thank you for our pastor. As they're away, just hanging out. Refresh them, restore them, God. Let them know that we love them. What a blessing they are to us. God, we thank you for this evening, for your word. Thank you that we get to walk in the freedom of your son, Jesus Christ. If you can agree with that, would you say amen? Family, I hope you enjoyed this evening. Pastor Mike will be back on Sunday. Have a great extended weekend. Happy 4th of July. Jesus loves you, and so do we. Good night, guys.